0: Three, two, one.
1: Here
0: we go. Hello, Erica. How are you? <laughs>
1: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: Welcome to the Studio Life. Thank you. Happy to be here. And that's Yes, We're happy to have you. So, the Studio Life, Manhattan Beach Studios, and we talk about things that relate to the studio. And Erica, I couldn't be happier for you to be here with us. Thank you, you have, uh, you're doing some really cool things, and I really want to learn. So, so it's, uh, it's nice to have you.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's glad to see you guys. I mean, we first started, you were in a different studio, so now I'm glad to see this amazing studio. You have so much uh, so many things you can do here, and you know, we just recently did the photography here, so I appreciate it.:
0: That's right. We love content. Yeah, and it's, it's, we, we try to touch as many parts of content because in today's day and age, there's nothing that doesn't need everything.
1: Yeah, we're all multimedia companies.
0: We're, we're everything. Yeah. So, and it, and it would be crazy if you had to go out and hire all of those unique positions and we end up building the expertise in-house.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: So, your show, tell me about it.
1: So The Newsworthy is a daily news podcast that we call Fast, Fair, Fun. I really started it as... Um, because I was a TV news reporter for over 10 years. And I kept hearing from people that news was too time-consuming and boring and depressing and overwhelming um, and biased. And I saw what was happening in the podcasting space, that it was going up, TV news was going down. And more importantly, I became passionate about helping people solve this problem so they didn't want to just tune out news altogether because they were depressed by it. so fast fair fun is what we do at the newsworthy fast it's about 10 minutes a day Mm -hmm. uh, monday through friday fair we really go out of our way to make a show that is unbiased that pulls from perspectives from all different news outlets all different sources and we're still factual but we will give you what all sides are saying and then it's fun so i try to bring a fun personality and voice to the news whenever possible and we also do a variety of stories so it's not just the doom and gloom stuff.
0: Gotcha. So if it doesn't bleed it doesn't necessarily lead. Other <laughs> things can lead in this particular Yes case. that's
1: true. No we will talk about some of the serious stuff that happens. Basically, we want you to be able to walk into work after just listening for 10 minutes or talk to your family and know what's going on and also have new things to start conversations with, but have a little less anxiety about the news. I don't think you need to sit there for an hour and hear every last minute, you know, little detail about this breaking news story because it's just going to give you anxiety. You we can tell you in about a minute what's going on, what you need to know, and then you can look up, you know, if you want to know more about that story, you can look more. But I just think that people get so much information in today's world that sometimes less is better.
0: Yeah. So let's bring us back to the studio life. Yes. You gave up newscasting for this. Like People people dream of that job. People go to journalism school for that job. So what was it about that job that both made it great and made it something that you thought it was uh, time to transfer out of?
1: Yeah, so I did TV news, Um, I studied journalism in college, I then worked my way up uh, within TV news and most recently worked at the CBS affiliate in Los Angeles. But after 10 years in that business, like I mentioned, I was hearing from people that they felt news was too depressing and time consuming and all of these things. Um, And quite frankly, I was feeling it. You know, I was going from tragedy to tragedy, in person, covering all of these things, talking to all of these victims. And man, it takes a toll on you um, doing that. And I thought, I want to help myself, and I want to help other people who feel that they just can't listen to the news anymore, but still want to be informed. Um, And because I was seeing what was happening in the podcasting space, and I got really excited about the potential there, that with your smartphone, on your own time, while you're multitasking, driving, folding the laundry, getting ready in the morning, you can also be getting some quick news. You can also be listening to whatever it is that you want to listen to. Um, and the beauty of podcasting is that it doesn't take a ton to get started if you already have some of that experience. And, um, and ultimately, I decided, you know, I, I need to try this. And so I quit my TV news job and, and went for it. And I said, let me give myself a year and see if this can work. I wanted to give myself long enough that I could see if the audience would grow, if I was getting good feedback, and that I really gave it a, a good shot. Um, but if after a year it's not growing, it's not making any money, it's not doing anything, then I'll pivot again, and at least I tried. Right. So that was my mindset going into it, and thankfully we're four and a half years later, and we've continued to grow.
0: Amazing. So you essentially are a studio owner. Yeah. So you went from um, you went from a journalism, Position. Now, as a journalist, what was your level of technical understanding? You have, obviously, in in the case of TV news, you have camera ops, you have audio techs, you have. Well, we do
1: in big cities. So when I. It's it's funny because I did. I was more. I had to use more technology the smaller the city I worked in. So it was funny because I had learned nonlinear editing in college. And then I went to my first job in a small town in Missouri um, and had to learn how to do tape to tape editing because that was the equipment that they still had at the time. Um, And so I did all my own camera work. I did all my own editing, um, as well as reporting, writing on camera in my first job, which was great because I love wearing every hat so that later on when I'm working with those people, I'm able to collaborate with them better because I know at least a little bit of what they go through and what it takes to run the camera through the Capitol building or whatever. Um, So, so that's, you know, I, I learned a lot in college and then I actually did it throughout my career. And then as I got into bigger cities, you know, I was able to work with a team that had some of that stuff. So had some knowledge. Now, am I familiar with all the latest and greatest stuff today? Probably not. Um, but I at least can, you know, edit on a timeline, basically, and, okay. and run a camera on its auto level,
0: <laughs> right which surprisingly is quite good. Yeah. these days So you. But you're now doing almost all of this by yourself.
1: Um, So when I started the podcast, I was doing everything by myself. Again, it's kind of like a repeat, right? Mm -hmm. Like where I started in a small city, I did everything myself. And then when I chose to launch a podcast, I just chose to do it all myself to make sure it would work before I put even more money into it. Now that we've grown the show, I have an audio editor um, and a team of writers and stuff that help me as well. But um, it didn't start out that way. And I still can step in and do some of it if needed. But I don't have the level of knowledge that you guys do, obviously.
0: Yeah, (laughs) sometimes I think we know too much. Um, My father was a doctor and used to say that quite a bit. He said, Mm -hmm. the problem that you have now is that you know too much. You can be worried about even things that have a 0.5% chance of happening when you know in previous generations you didn't. So I, I do think our curse is access to gear and access to toys and access to information. And so we end up not doing. When we spend all of our time focusing on new gear, focusing on education, focusing on stuff, we're not producing creative content. And it's a a devastating trade-off.
1: Oh, when I first started, a lot of people's advice, and I completely agree, is it's really easy to spend a lot of time on your website because it's kind of procrastination of what you really Mm -hmm. need to do. And so get a website up and have that be available, but do not that's not where you need to spend your time. Right. And I completely agree.
0: We used to talk to clients, especially as a lawyer when we were in artist development, to say your website should not take more than an hour of your time. Put something there and get back to work. Yeah. You'll have years to work on the website. Right. But if you use the website as an excuse to not start, you'll never start. There exactly. will always be excuses out there. And it's it. Websites have killed a lot of businesses. The you know taking a year, or two years to work on your websites killed a lot of businesses.
1: Right, unless you're a web developer and that's your business, <laughs> it does, you don't need to do that. But
0: a web developer working on their own business, right? Website may that's be true. a problem that's too. True. So, anyway, I um, when you record, because you're you're you're, you're you've built an audience now. You yeah. you you know we were talking about. I mean, you're on your road to a billion. You're in the tens of millions at this point in overall views. Overall downloads
1: tens of millions. yeah. Tens
0: of millions. I mean, eventually yeah. we're going to hit a billion on this thing. Yeah. Um, so you're you're not you're somebody who has seen what this can accomplish. When you record at night, eleven o'clock at night, how many people are in the room with you?
1: It's just me. It's just you. Yeah.
0: You have a teleprompter.
1: Um, I have a script on my computer. Yeah.
0: And your audio primarily, so you're you're yeah. you're not focusing on the camera. Right. And you have your microphone. Yep. Are you going direct into the computer? Yes. And what? What? Uh, what's your program?
1: <laughs> I'm embarrassed to tell you. <laughs> um, so because I just have a single track, and I'm literally just recording it into my computer, and then I send it off to the audio ed- editor. Um, I honestly just use GarageBand.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> okay. W- all you right. might want
1: to cut that out. No, I <laughs> no.
0: I, I, but I, I think this gets to the point. And it's kind of where where I figured we were going with this, which is you don't need anything. Right,
1: I wanted, I purposely kept it simple because I didn't want some of those things to stop me from doing. And ultimately, is the end listener going to know the difference? You know, I send it off to an audio editor who is able to do some post-production on it. Um, But like me talking to GarageBand or Avid, I don't think is gonna really make that big of a difference for the end product. Yeah. And so I purposely kept it simple so that it wouldn't s- slow me down.
0: I mean, it's, it's remarkable, uh, but, it's, but it goes to the core theme, which is the technology get, can get in your way,
1: right? but we
0: already have the tools we need for most things. Yeah. You know, Avid won't make your microphone sound any better relative to GarageBand. Avid may have additional features, but yeah. overall, you've got your microphone, you've got a recording platform, make it happen and then your editor gets that at what time every night
1: yeah but I mean between 11 and midnight Pacific time because we're trying to get the show out by 4 in the morning Eastern time so by the time people wake up on the East Coast they can get their morning news
0: and your editor is in the United States Australia Australia okay so you're so somebody's awake when that thing comes in all right so that's a really good way of, of working it's very simple and streamlined yeah when you started this did you know what to expect? Now that you've done it for a few years and you have the chance to look back on this, did you know what you were getting into?
1: I was naive in a lot of ways, but I actually think that's helpful sometimes because the challenges won't stop you. You know, you can. And look, anything that you do, you're never going to know everything mm-hmm. that you're that you're going to deal with. Um, I think I knew. I'm a journalist, right? I researched a lot before I started. I knew that it wasn't going to be so easy and I was going to have a huge audience tomorrow as soon as I hit launch, right? And that's why I kind of went into it saying, let me give this a year and see what happens. Um, And I tried to stay open to that. Obviously, I really wanted it to work, um, but I was open to finding out. and, And I told myself that the worst thing that could happen is that I'm embarrassed you know and that I shouldn't let that stop me from telling everybody about it because if i'm going to be shy about it it's not going to work i have to email everybody i know to let them know that i'm launching this i have to you know scream it from the rooftops because otherwise i didn't give it my all and the worst thing that would happen is that it doesn't take off and that i would be embarrassed but ultimately i know that i would learn something from that and there was there were times that i actually talked to my husband about it like even if this ultimately doesn't work out or it doesn't become what I want it to become, I have learned so much through this process that I will never regret it. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously it did work out enough that we've been, we've been able to grow a sustainable business and I hope to continue to grow it.
0: Amazing, so tell me something when, and, and we know this from personal experience, clients come walking on in here and they start their podcast or they start their, whatever it is that they're starting and they get discouraged. Yeah. And the number one way that they get discouraged is view count, yeah, and we try to we talk to them about view count. We talk about not only time for growth, but we also talk about how view count is not necessarily the right statistic. Tell me a little bit about what you, what you think so my my position is that view count is not always the right statistic absolutely am i am I right or wrong, and what do you think when you hear people talk about this?
1: I agree. Um, I have a couple things to say about this. one. You're exactly right, in in my opinion, that you have to know what your goal is and focus on those things. So view count or listenership doesn't matter if your goal is to convert your audience, right? Because you could have millions of people who are not interested at all in your service that you're trying to market through your podcast. And you're going to make zero money off of them because you're not running ads and you're just trying to market something that they don't care about. Um, but if you have a smaller audience who's really into this and they're gonna spend the money on the thing that you offer, that's so much more important. And so it starts by knowing what is your end goal? How do you plan to monetize? Um, and then what are the you know, KPIs for that? Um, so for me, I am a little bit rare where It does matter what my audience size is because I make most of my money through advertisements. And so I do need the size to um, be able to sell sponsorships. And we have a pretty broad topic of news that isn't as niche, but that's rare. And I would say more people are probably using podcasting, and it's a smarter way to go about it, probably, um, to, to sell their own services or products or even to network, like, let's say you, you know, just want to be more known in your industry to get a better nine to five. And so you start a podcast on the side, you're just using it to network through having, you know, people on your show within your industry Mm -hmm. and having a reason to ask them interesting questions. Um, Then it doesn't matter at all what your audience is because you're making those relationships with the people that you're having on your show. So find out what your goal is and then figure out what are the things that I want to spend my time on to reach that goal? And it is not always listenership or viewership.
0: I mean, it's easy to argue that it's pretty rare for it to be truly about viewership. Yeah. You know, it, it, and and it's, the,
1: it's harder and it takes longer.
0: <laughs> I mean, these are the things we talk about every day, which is you know, the greatest value you could possibly have is if you could give a CEO a gift in your industry, somebody you might need to call right. down the road, yeah. and one of the gifts you can offer is an additional platform for them to talk about the issues that are concerning to them or the products that they're they're offering? there's so many ways at succeeding in this space
1: yeah and and then you know, I would think about you know because I want to the most important thing to me to, is to present myself to that CEO or that guest that I'm having in a really positive way because my whole goal is networking at that point, right if that's your end goal then you spend your time on researching your questions, researching your guests, and like following up with a gift to that guest. You know, and so for me when I have guests on, I I want to have a good relationship, but it's not like my end goal is to build my rela- build a relationship with every guest that I have on. So, I'm going to spend some time um you know, following up with them, but that's not the the thing that matters the most to me. And so I might spend my time el- elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um but that's just another to your point another reason to know your goal so that you can double down on the things that work to get you to your goal and let go some of some of the time-consuming things that don't matter as much, such as obsessing over your numbers.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we look at realtors and we say, how many views do they need to be successful? And if they're in the business of trying to sell a house, it could be one. Right. The one person who watches may be the person who goes to the site, finds the property and pays a million and a half dollars.
1: Yeah, and that person watching it does not care how many views it has. Mm-hmm. They just want to see the house.
0: Yeah. Now, do you do you focus? It sounds like you're very focused on the message that you know your audience needs. Do you find that that is lost in, in younger podcasters that they want to do everything, or they want, or they're they're not super focused on their message, and that that dilution ends up causing problems for them?
1: Well, I think you need to know what is your what are you trying to get across to your audience because you're you're going to lose people if it's if if you don't know, then they're not going to know, and they're not going to want to listen then. Um, but I would say if you're younger and you're trying to figure out you know what you want to do in the business, how doing a lot of things is okay because, you have to experiment to know what you're good at and Mm -hmm. what you enjoy and all of those things. So, you know, kind of like the wear wear all the hats thing, like if you want to be on video and do a podcast and do a newsletter and, I mean, we do a lot of those things too. Um, But but I think at the end of the day, you need to know what your message is so that people know why they should listen to you. Why are you unique? Because there's probably a lot of podcasts out there already doing something on your topic. So why are you unique? What do you bring to it? Why should people listen to you? Um, You have to answer those questions and be able to tell people.
0: That's right. So you mentioned wearing a lot of hats. Yeah. So I'd like to mention this hat comes from (laughs) Alex Baer of Genius Juice, who is one of our amazing podcaster who comes in here and has used his podcast on LinkedIn to do nothing other than tap into the entire world of people who are managing the CPG, the consumer beverage uh, product and beverage group. (laughs) Excuse me. Speaking of
1: beverages. (laughs) Water break. uh,
0: You know, he has maximized his benefit by going into the LinkedIn audience, knowing that he was looking at a business to business we're actually a business-to-business leader market, and get to the buyers, get to the distributors, get to the competition, and figure out how to build those relationships. So, yeah. uh, that—that's my hat segue. So, I—I <laughs> uh, I didn't know I was going to do that, but you mentioned hats, and I realized I was wearing the hat of one of our clients. So, fantastic. Um, would you do this all over again? Yes. Absolutely. Do you? Do you do you know that you're making a difference in people's lives
1: yes and you know that is truly what motivate motivates me now and especially during the times of uncertainty because every time that i was unsure is this going to get to where i need it to be then i would hear from a listener or read a review that they have less anxiety about news Mm -hmm. that they voted for the first time because they finally feel informed enough and they can tolerate, you know, listening to the news every day, Um, that they're having better conversations with their friends and family, making better decisions because they feel more informed, that their friends are asking, how do you know all this stuff? And they feel really good about that. So those things matter so much, whether it's big or small in that person's life. I mean, Mm -hmm. I get to be part of people's morning routines. You know, they're letting me into their life every day. That's so special.
0: I think that sounds great. Yeah. So I think that essentially wraps up my topic for the day. I think that the ability for somebody to take on the obligations of running their own studio, building their own business is, is and and committing yourself to this every single day, not once a week not or once a month in order to try to archive as many episodes as possible, but to look at this like a career is, is pretty remarkable. You're one of the most tenacious podcasters I've ever known.
1: Thank you. I mean, I do think if people can start something on the side, you know that's great for me i knew that i couldn't it was all or nothing because a daily news you can't batch a daily news show right you have to do it every night and i once i made that promise to the audience that it's going to be there every morning i was not going to go back on that promise Um, and so the audience is really what held me accountable that i made this promise to them i'm gonna do it even when i don't feel like it which was plenty of times right um and yeah there was one sorry now i'm thinking there was something else that we were talking about that oh you had mentioned that um you know fear stops a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And for me what I when I really realized that it was time to do this was I imagined in 5 years I was I'm going to reach every goal I ever had within television news. Is that what I really want still? And I realized that's not like even if I reached every goal in TV news that I used to have, it's not really what I wanted anymore. And so at that point, you know, I had nothing to lose. And right. I trusted myself that if after a year it didn't work out, I would find something else. You know, we would, ha- we would come up with a backup plan. And again, the worst thing that could happen is that you're a little embarrassed and you let go of your ego and then you jump in and amazing things happen.
0: That's right. Everything I've ever achieved faced embarrassment head on.
1: Yeah, exactly. And fear.
0: And fear, yeah. absolutely. I sold my first record. I couldn't even sing. I sold my first record to 300 of my closest friends.
1: I love, 300 is the word where I started, too, (laughs) where it was 300 downloads of, you know, people I knew, people that I told when I first started, and I kind of had to build from there. Um, So, and and I knew it was going to take time. And look, there are still times when I'm like, oh, I want to be even bigger. I want to do these things. And I have to stop and say, all right. What action am I gonna to take today? What are my goals? And when do I really wanna stop and evaluate? Because the the worst thing somebody can do is try to decide whether they should keep going on their worst day, mm-hmm. right? You should decide whether to keep going on your best day um, or on the day that you have set out, like I gave myself a year, I was not going to quit before then and I was really gonna take an objective look at where how far I had come at that time instead of wasting time throughout that year of wondering where, you know, where is this gonna go and doubting myself, just full steam ahead until you've set that date on your calendar. Okay, now let me take an objective look at, at where we're at.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you the one lesson I learned on the verge of failing and being completely embarrassed, find the right people to help. Mm. That I found the producer who, I was trying to program the drums myself. I right. was trying to do things that were so far to, so far out of my expertise. Yes but that there are good people around you and there, there are great people around you and, and you know some of them and, and they're standing by waiting to help you out. All you need to do is recognize that you might need a hand.
1: Absolutely, and it makes it more fun when you can work with other people too. Yeah,
0: Well, sounds good. Erica, it's a real pleasure. I'm so glad you came by the studio.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So this is The Studio Life again. Mark, my friend Erica, and uh, we'll see you next time. Three, two, one.